Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning, and welcome home to all our LWCC family. Welcome, welcome in the house. Listen, I've been... For the last two and a half, three months, I've been preaching to an empty house. It's just being the angels and some now you're home. So I want to welcome you. I want to welcome those who are joining us online. It's really been too long. It's good to be here, though, on Pentecost Sunday. Um, before I jump into the message, though, I do want to address the, the elephant in the room and what's going on in our uh, country today. Our prayers and our condolences go out to the family of Mr. George Floyd. I saw that video, it was absolutely heartbreaking. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's tragic that that sort of stuff happens. Um, having said that, let me just go ahead as a, as a pastor and a community leader, just go ahead and, and, and say this to, to especially the young people that are out there. There's a difference between protesting and rioting and looting. Come on, come on, somebody. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's a difference between that. And love beats hate all day. Light beats darkness all day. Don't get caught up in the, um, what I call the race baiting that's been happening in our country now for years. And there's certain TV channels that are just famous for it. Don't get caught up in it. Don't find yourself out there doing stupid stuff. Um, the police, 99% of them, 99.9% of them, they're our family, they're our friends. They're the ones we call when we, when we get in trouble. You love on them, you support them. Do not get caught up in this, this foolishness. And we pray, we pray for their safety, we pray they're our frontline people. Uh, but don't get caught up in the foolishness that's taking place in our country today. Amen? Amen. All right. So, God is good. All the time he's good. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at, uh, at God and at the various names of God that we see throughout the Scripture. That's, in fact, that's the name of our series. It's called The Names of God. And, and we've done this in the hopes of discovering not just what to call them. Listen to me but when to call on him and why to call on him and, and what he can do once we do call on him. Does that make sense? And so the psalmist told us in Psalms 9, 10, I want you to read it out loud with me. One, two, three, go. Those who know your name trust in you, for, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. It's not those who know about your name. It's those who do what? Know your name and those who seek you. Now, that's a promise that I promise you you could take to the bank. God does not tell lies. Amen? And Jesus thought it was so important when he walked the earth, he made a similar statement in Matthew 16, verse 15. He says, what about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? He had asked the question, who are people saying that I am? And they were coming up with, you're the prophet or you're this or you're that. But then he turned to his own disciples, those who consider themselves followers of him. He said, but who do you say that I am? 
Now, why did he ask that? Because it's an, it's an imperative for all of us to come to know and to answer that question. Who is God to you? Who is God to you? Is he some distant creator or impersonal God who started something, you know, thousands of years ago and then walked away from his creation and then didn't want anything else to do with us? Or is he a personal God and one that wants to walk with us and talk with us? I promise you it's the second one. He wants to be actively involved in our lives. And so, so far we've learned a few of his names, a few of his titles. Jehovah, Jehovah means the Lord. Last week, I think, I introduced you to Yahweh. Yahweh means I am or the one who is the self-existent one. Jesus said before Abraham was, he says, before Abraham was, he says, I am. Now, when he made that statement, the people around him, his, his countrymen, picked up stones to stone him. Why did they do that? Because they knew that he was referring to the statement in Genesis where Moses asked, who should I say is sending me? And, the, and out of the burning bush, the voice said, you tell them, I am sending you. I am that I am. And so they thought he was being blasphemous. But he wasn't. He was being truthful. Amen? So that's the reason they tried to stone him. And he, the, the writer of Hebrew says about him, he says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In other words, whatever he was doing yesterday, how many know he's still doing today? Amen. Amen. And whatever he's doing today, he's going to still be doing tomorrow. God does not need a vacation. He does not need a break. He does not need time off or 15 minutes to, to go catch his breath. You can't outwork him. You're not going to outthink him, and you're definitely not going to outlast him. Amen. And so we've learned to, to come to know his names. One of them was El-Rohi. I am the God who sees everything. God sees everything. And that, that should be a good word for those people who are breaking into people's businesses and looting. God sees everything. We know him as Elohim. I am, which says, I am, I am the almighty creator, the maker of heaven and earth. The Bible says the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, and everything in it belongs to him. We've, we've come to know him as Jehovah Sabaoth. I am the Lord of, help me out someone, anyone knows that? Hosts. I'm the Lord of the hosts and, and of angel armies with all the resources of heaven and earth at his disposal. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. And I said in that message that the ram is always in the bush if we are obedient to him. That makes sense? And then there was Jehovah Nisi. I am your banner. So he says, I am, I am the Lord, and I change not. Which brings us nicely into today's lesson. Because not only is he our victory, our deliverer, not only does he have unlimited resources and provisions at his fingertips, today's lesson is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who Heals. Do we need healing in our land today? We need healing in our land today. And what we've been doing is we've been going to every one of these places where he's been called these different names and looking at the context in which he's called these names. And in this one, we find him, him being called this name in Exodus chapter 15, and it was unusual surroundings. Uh, 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 
you know, uh, surrounding things that, are, that we need the most. Besides air, we need water. In Exodus chapter 15, verse 22, this is what it says. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. And when they came to Mara, they could not drink it. They could not drink its water because it was, help me someone, bitter. That is why the place is called Mara. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? Verse 25. And then Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a piece of wood and he threw it into the water and the water became fit to drink. And there the Lord issued a ruling and instructions for them and he put them to, to the test. Here's the test again. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals. Now, I want you to note what I just said because we're going to circle back to it. But verse 27 says, Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. Now, while I was studying this text, I, I found a few things that were very interesting surrounding the reasons that God came to reveal himself as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. The Israelites had just witnessed the mighty hand of God in battle against the uh, Egyptians, where he compelled the Egyptians and the Pharaohs to let his people go. And how did he do that? He did that through multiple plagues. And, 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 and sicknesses and pestilence. I mean, you name it, whatever you can think of, that's what came on them. Diseases. And the final thing was the, the, the death of the firstborn. And Pharaoh finally had enough, and he said, called the leaders and said, you, you guys get out and take everything with you. And, and, and then God did something extraordinary with them leaving. I want you to pay attention to Exodus chapter 12, verse 31. It says, during the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron, and he said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go worship the Lord as you've requested. Take your flocks and herds, as you have said, and go and also bless me. And the Egyptians urged the people to hurry and to leave the country, for otherwise, they said, we will all die. And so the people took their dough before, took, took their dough before, the, before the yeast was added, and they carried it on their shoulders in kneading trowels, wrapped in clothing. And the Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians, watch this, for articles of silver and gold and for clothing. And the Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people, and they gave them what they asked for. And so they plundered the Egyptians. Now get the picture. The Pharaohs finally fed up. The plagues have taken its effect. I want you all to leave. And Moses says, oh, by the way, when you leave, go ahead and ask for the silver and gold. There were two million Jews asking for the silver and gold of their masters, and they gave it to them. So as two million Jews walked out of the Egyptian camp, they walked out with the wealth of Egypt. They were plundered without even having to fight a battle. They didn't leave Empty-handed. You could, you could call it, you know, 420 years of back pay, if you will. Now, I love the imagery of that because at the end of that 
little shutdown that was going on during their time, listen to me, due to the plagues on the land, the people of God came out with a huge blessing. Come on, somebody. Any of God's people in the house. Amen? Amen? The people of God came out with a huge blessing. And I'm here to declare to you, I'm going to declare over you today by faith, the same thing is coming at the end of all this nonsense. A blessing is coming your way. Amen? Amen. You will reap if you don't faint. You will reap if you don't get caught up in foolishness. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so after their departure, though, the Bible says the Pharaoh quickly had a change of heart. I mean, think about it. <laughs> who was going to, uh, who just walked out of their land? It was their complete labor force. Who, who was going to do their laundry and cook their food? Who was going to walk their dogs and build their roads and, and, and work their fields? They just all walked out. And so, and so the Bible says Pharaoh sets out with his entire army to get them back and to teach them a lesson. Someone say big mistake. Say big mistake. Because I read somewhere that somewhere in the Bible it says if God is for you, come on somebody, who can be against you? And, and, and as I remember, the Pharaoh's heart was hardened, the scripture says, by the Lord at the time because he was about to teach them a lesson. And they went after the Egyptians, but they found themselves between a rock and a hard place, the Red Sea and an approaching army. But that didn't deter God because he can make a way where there seems to be no way. Amen. And for those two million Jews, the scripture says he supernaturally parted the Red Sea. And as they went through to the other side, the Egyptians thought to themselves, you know what? We're going to go in after them. Big mistake. Because as they went after them, the scripture says the Bible looked down and started to confound them and confuse them and their wheels started falling off. And, and then as soon as the last Israeli got on the other side, that water came back and the horse and rider was thrown into the sea. The Israelites saw this and it was a great victory. They witnessed this and they began singing and praising. The women started dancing and playing the timbrels and they were having a great time rejoicing how God had supernaturally delivered them from their, from their captors, from their slavers. They, they were rejoicing as they went on their way until just a few days later. Now, what a difference a day makes. How long does it take for things to go stupid, go, go crazy in our country? Come on. It don't take long, right? It don't take long. But before people were happy, they're finally, you know, letting people out and they're relaxing the thing and they're opening up and the coronavirus is dying. And it don't take much for things to go, again, from zero to stupid, from rejoicing to, to something else. All right? So, 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 so. A few days later, they're not singing anymore because now they've walked three days into the desert. They can't find any water. They go from singing to grumbling and complaining over their circumstances. They're now on the other side. They're two million strong, and there is no water, no good water for them to find. And when they finally do happen on the water, what does the Bible say about that water? It says it was, they called it Mara, which means bitter. All you people who named your kids Mata, I'm just saying. Mata means bitter. Jacob isn't much better. Go look it up when you get a chance. But I'm just saying. So, and if that's not a picture, again, of how life can be from time to time, everything seems to start out right, 
and all of a sudden it turns on you. You, you. you get that promotion, your business is going well, the girl of your dreams says yes, the guy of your dreams puts a ring on your finger, and, 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 and all is good in your world. <coughs> all is good, and you're singing, and you're praising, and you're rejoicing before the Father, and all of a sudden somebody flips a switch. Here comes the coronavirus. Here comes that you, you traded your promotion in for an unemployment line. Come on, somebody, if you can qualify. Wedding plans you have to put on hold. The businesses, are, uh, uh, many of them are facing bankruptcies. And if you're in any of these uh, states where they're rioting, you're, you're, coming, you're waking up to your business burned down or looted. I heard somebody say, it's a meme going on online, that where's the re return policy for 2020? Come on, somebody. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, I mean, I got a clue when I started out this year. Remember how I started out this year? My, I was going to a funeral of a family member, and my and my and my brother was driving, and my like my truck got smashed. Four days into this year, this year has been consistently challenging. Can I get a witness? But God has been consistently faithful. Can I get a witness? Come on, somebody. But for a lot of people, the social isolation has taken its toll. There's depression, there's suicide, there's domestic abuse calls. I, I talked to a, an officer. He said, yeah, that's going on the rise. Overdoses are on the rise. And, 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 and again, even with things that opening up, there's about, I'm, I'm going to say, there's a large percentage of the population who are just afraid to come out. I call it, some of them coming out of church. <laughs> Sanka, you coming out? Not coming out. <laughs> they ain't coming out. When you planning on coming out? Another two, three months or so, they're just afraid to come out. To come out. So, so they're afraid they're going to they're gonna catch something. And having said that, we've lost a few people to it. Thank God, not what they projected, right? One or two million but over 100,000 our country alone has lost, and so we grieve with our families. There's a lot of people with, with cancer and illnesses. Right about now, you know, as, you, as we've gotten a few months into this year, for a lot of people, many people are knee-deep in bitter waters and bitter circumstances. My friend, my pastor friend in India, he sent me a, they're having a tough time, but they don't have government bailouts or PPP or, or anything along those lines. They've just been shutting down. And so as a, as a church, as a family, we've been helping them financially to buy food and to take care of their people. But he just, he just, he just sent me a, a picture of the, the, the latest thing that's affecting them. Take a look at this. Keep going. आज तक मैंने मेरी लाइफ में ऐसा सीन नहीं देखा है ये बहुत ही डेंजरस पोजीशन दिख रही है पाकिस्तान का टिड्डी दल हमारे यहां पे है वर्ल्ड में ऐसे सीन नहीं देखे हैं बिलियन ट्रिलियंस नो काउंटिंग यू नो दैट इज लोकस इन अ एग्रीकल्चरल नेशन and it's everywhere. And it reminds me of the scripture where God was speaking. We started out with this scripture, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. 
and we're all familiar with that. Let me just go ahead and read verse 13 to you. This is what verse 13 says. At times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls, God speaking, or command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among you. Then, verse 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and restore their land. Amen. Amen. Folks, people are wanting to know what the role of the church is today. We are God's, who God is using to intercede for our land. He says, if my people, when your land has gone crazy and gone the wrong way, and God allows things to, to happen to get our attention, he calls on the church to intercede on behalf of the people and to, to call for repentance. We're believing for a revival out of all this. Amen. And so, but don't, don't not do your job. Our job is to intercede and to pray and to be a light and not get caught up in the foolishness. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? And so, Naomi in the book of Ruth could relate to things going very bad. The Bible says that an extreme drought or famine came on the land where they lived in Judea. And she and her husband, Elimelech, and their two sons went for a while to live in the land of Moab. And sometime after they arrived, the scripture says her husband dies, leaving her to raise her two sons alone. Well, she does so, and they both grow up, and they marry Moabite women, Oprah and Ruth. And now before they could have children, the Bible says her two sons end up dying as well, leaving her a stranger in a foreign land without her husband or her sons, totally, totally devastated. If it wasn't for bad luck, there'd be no luck at all in her life at this point. And so she decides to, it's time to go back home to her people, and she gives permission for her daughter-in-laws to go back home to their families. They're still young, and they can still possibly find a husband and start a family. <clears throat> and through many tears, Orpah agrees and leaves but Ruth refuses to go. Ruth chapter 1, verse 14. At this they wept aloud again, and then Oprah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her, and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you. And this is a famous scripture that's read at a lot of the weddings. Don't urge me to leave you. You or, or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. And a lot of times it's read at weddings, husband and wife, but this was actually a, a daughter-in-law to her mother-in-law. It's proof that daughters and mother-in-laws can get along. Amen? Amen? So now when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go, go with her, she stopped urging her. And so the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? And she responded, don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara. What did we say Mara meant? Bitter, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. 
I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me, and the Almighty has brought me misfortune upon me. And Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, and her daughter-in-law arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Now, quick question. If you ever get a chance, read the rest of that story. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. But why at this point does Naomi want to change her name? Because Naomi literally means pleasantness. Her name meant pleasantness. And at this point in her life, she didn't see anything pleasant going on about anything happening in her life. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mata. Because the truth is, I am now bitter. And worst of all, she felt God was doing this to her. Now listen, because this is what I love about the Bible. There are things in it that are truly stated, listen to me, but not necessarily true. Let me say that again. There are things in the Bible that are truly stated, but not necessarily true. Because Naomi went away full, and now she was coming back empty in her own words. She attributed her misfortune to God. But if, for those of us who've read this story, how many know that, that God was indeed at work in her life and that God was not setting her up for evil, but God was setting her up for a blessing? Amen? Come on, somebody. And sometimes it's hard to see because, because that's when uh, uh, her daughter-in-law, Ruth, was going to meet her Boaz, her kinsman, redeemer. Again, read the story. But nevertheless, in many people's lives, perception is reality. And at that point in her life, she was full and now she felt empty. And in those times and circumstances, that oftentimes that's when we begin to blame God or the people of God. I know so many people that not only blame God, but they blame the representatives of God for what's going on. I saw it in the news. Somebody blamed the coronavirus on the Christians. I mean, you, you are a special kind of stupid when you say stuff like that. Now, but they bless, they, they blame them because they, they feel like they're not seemingly being blessed for the path that they had chosen. And we start to, in those times, experience bitter waters. Now, equally curious as, as to the way God revealed himself as Jehovah Rapha was the way he satisfied the Israelites' thirst and, and turned their bitter waters sweet again. Exodus 15, verse 25, let's look at that again. It says, so, so he, or Moses, cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, and when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made bitter. Now, there he made a statute and an ordinance for them, and there he tested them, and he said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Come on, somebody. And so God revealed himself in that point as the supernatural healer and the one who has the ability to turn bitter situations into sweet things. Friends, if that's not a picture of what God has done through his son, Jesus Christ, I don't know what is. Amen? Because the truth is we were all not just 
knee-deep in or drowning in our sin or, 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 or sin-soaked sea of bitter waters, the, the ultimate cure that God would use and did use, he, he figuratively cast a, a, another piece of wood in the shape of a cross, amen, and, and, and allowed his son to be nailed on that cross into the bitter waters of our life, taking on all our curses on himself and, and everything we deserved, he, he allowed to put on Jesus and in, 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 what, and, and in, in replace of what we deserve, he gives us sweetness, he gives us forgiveness, he gives us grace, he gives us eternal life for everyone who would believe. Can I get an amen on that? That's what God did through his son, Jesus Christ. And in that one act, I call it the final cure, that one final cure. Because even with him taking the Israelites, he turned that water. There were three days that became bitter. He took wood supernaturally, drew the bitterness out. He led them to a place where they said there were, what, what 12 springs and, and, and many palm trees, a place of covering and, and, and cure. He, he took care of them, even though they, you know, they became bitter and angry and all that other stuff. The final cure in that one act of humanity, God has the ability to heal us spiritually, write that down, emotionally, and physically. Spiritually, emotionally, and Physically, And all of these can be seen in the following scriptures. Well, I want you to listen real close. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24. It says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you were healed. And who is Peter quoting? He's quoting the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 53, 5. Matter of fact, read it out loud with me. One, two, three, go. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The, the, the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Who is Isaiah referring to? Come on, somebody. Someone say Jesus. Someone say Jesus. It's Jesus. Ephesians 2.12. Remember that. At that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to, to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with his commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself, someone say, one new humanity of the two. Say, say just one. Say, say, we're just one. Say, we're all just one in Christ. Amen? Listen, if you don't like people who look different than you, look at me, look at me. I say it all the time. You are not going to like heaven because he says he, that all People from all races and nations and tongues and tribes are going to be there under the one banner of Jesus Christ. We are all one in Christ. Amen? And, and, and God is not against, you know, people who look at pigment and see superiority or someone's less than you. Yeah, that's my, that's my coin phrase. You're a special kind of stupid for that. Because clearly... God loves variety. Amen? Amen? Come on, somebody. Clearly, God loves variety. That's why he created so many uh, people looking the way he did. Not because he, 
You know, Satan gets in there and people get in there and say, okay, your skin color is a little bit lighter than mine or a little bit darker than mine or your hair or your eye color. And we like to divide and the Satan likes to divide, but that's not the heart of God. In fact, he says, it says in that, in that same passage that from the two, he created one people through, through the cross. Let me keep, let me keep reading. Verse, verse 16, one new humanity out of two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through where? Through where? Through the cross. Through that piece of wood. Come on. Come on. By which he put to death the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far away. And peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father. By who? By one spirit. Have you ever, have you ever today's the day of Pentecost. When you ever get a chance, when you get home, read the book of Acts, chapter 2. What was the circumstances under which God poured out the Spirit, the birth of the church? It was the pouring out of the Spirit and tongues of fire, and, and they all began to speak in their own languages and their own tongues, declaring the praises of God in their own language. And who did God pour out His Spirit on? He poured out His Spirit on people from, uh, you know, from different tribes and different nations, people who did not look the same, amen? That was the birth of the church. That was the birth. And so through him, we, and it's through the one spirit. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Psalms 103. Let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems, me from, he redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tenderness. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagle. And then lastly, in Psalms 147.3, matter of fact, this is a great one to memorize. He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. Who does this? Who does this? Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. Folks, the solution to all this nonsense going on is to lift up the name of Jesus, Amen. to lift up the banner of Christ. Not religion. Religion saves nobody. But a personal relationship with Christ has the ability to, to go beyond the surface and go right down deep into a person's heart, and they go, and they'll and attitudes, and change the mindsets of people literally from the inside out. He heals the brokenhearted, and he binds up their wounds. Folks, there are some wounds that only God can heal. And as the body of Christ, we have to represent who he is. Amen? The question is, is God, is God still doing that today? Is God still turning bitter water sweet? Is he healing emotionally and supernaturally? Is God still in the healing business today? If you, if you believe that, say yes and amen. Yes. yes and amen. All around the world, God is still in the healing business. He wants to turn our bitter water sweet as well. And it starts, it starts with that spiritual healing of reconciliation that God has provided through his son, Jesus Christ. Turning your life over to Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, your healer that paved the way to peace with God through his son, Jesus Christ. But it didn't end there. It didn't end there because he also gave us his word, amen? And with his word, the, 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 the word gives us his moral code. 
if we follow his moral code, you know, uh, thou shalt not, right? How many know you'll avoid a whole lot of problems? You know, thou shalt not steal. Yeah, there's a good one. There's a good one. You won't run into issues with the, with, with, uh, the authorities. You won't end up, if you follow the moral code of the Bible, you won't end up with an STD or something worse. He gave us the day of rest so that we don't work ourselves physically and mentally to exhaustion. He gave us dietary constraints so that we don't eat ourselves into an early grave. I mean, some of us came out of that uh, quarantine time. I know it. I know it. I know you packed, you packed on just a little bit of weight. Come on, somebody. But we can find out, we can look in God's word, and we can, get, we can get advice as to what we should be eating as well so that we can stay healthy. But it all starts with surrendering to Christ, who is able to take the bitter sting of sin and death from every single one of us. Amen? And he gave us a cure. He gave us a solution to, to anger and bitterness. You know what he said it is? forgiveness. Forgive as Christ has forgiven you. Amen? Amen. He calls us to be that beacon. And finally, just a reminder, Galatians 6, 9. This is what it says. It says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. The children of Israel reaped the harvest at the proper time as they left the Egyptians. Naomi, even though she wanted to change her name to Mara, <laughs> reaped a blessing at the proper time as she moved forward in the things of the Lord. And you and I will reap a blessing if we don't quit. Turn to somebody and say, do not quit. Do not give up. Do not give up on God. Do not give up on his word. Do not give up on his grace. Do not give up on Jehovah Rapha, our healer. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. It starts with complete surrender to him. Do not get caught up in the foolishness. A house divided cannot stand. Do not get sucked into the race-baiting political nonsense that's going on that's trying to get us at each other's throats. The scripture says we are one in Christ. I love that in one community where those knuckleheads went and tore up those businesses, arguing with some people, they're saying, yes, you don't understand. I've got black children. I say, yeah, yeah, I'm a person of color. I understand. I agree with it, hashtag burn it down. I said, you cannot be serious. The communities that are burning, are using your logic, is mostly minority and black communities. That's not to say it's right to do it to anybody. You make no sense. You can't fight fire with fire. You fight fire with water. You fight hate with love. You fight darkness with light. And in one of those communities, they all went out the next day after those knuckleheads and looted and burned down the, the houses and burned down their buildings. They went out with brooms and shovels and the whole community's out there cleaning up. 
It's real easy to tear down. It's real hard to build up and to build bridges. My Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall inherit the earth, and they shall be called the children of God. God calls us to be the light in an ever-increasing world that seems to be getting darker and darker. Jesus told us these things are going to be happening, but he also said, don't be afraid. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Perfect love casts out all fear. Amen? And you are perfectly loved by the Father. And as a church, as a church, we're gonna, we are going to love each other. Amen? We are going to love each other. We are going to give each other grace. We're going to pray. We got we to gotta text because we have police officers that, that come here as well. And the mothers of, of police officers said, please, please pray for my, my son, my daughter. I'm definitely afraid for them because there are knuckleheads out there who are just targeting people with uniforms on. It's not right. To, to not know if you're going to be able to come home for just doing your job because one or two bad apples, you're going to paint everybody? Everybody's that way? Everybody's racist? That's stupid. So stop. Cut it out. Parents, don't let your kids get caught up in that. Don't even let them go out. Sit them down because they're going to get into an emotionally charged situation with another human being with a badge. And there are people out here called anarchists who are stoking the fires. They want somebody to get killed so that they can use that to further drive us into chaos. And when they drive you into chaos, what happens to those communities? The police don't show up. What happens? What happened to the protest of, of Mr. Floyd? What, what happened to all those signs? Now they're breaking into establishment and they're looting. What does taking TVs out of a, a store or robbing people have to do with the memory of what happened to Mr. Floyd? You're special kind of stupid. Cut it out. Don't get caught up in it. Don't get caught up in it. We're going to raise a banner of love. Jehovah Rapha, he has the ability to heal. He's called us to be his representatives on this earth. Does that make sense? It starts with surrender to Christ. And so if you've not yet given your life to Jesus, and I know that's probably the most unusual invitation I've probably ever given, but that's where it starts. It starts with acknowledging the bitterness in your own heart and rather than running with it or raging with it turn it over to God surrender it to, to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who has the ability to heal the brokenhearted. I'm not saying it's not hurtful it's hurtful God knows but he's our healer 
So if you've not yet done that, as I always say, it'd be my privilege and my honor to, to lead you in a prayer of commitment to him. I'm going to ask everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes and, and say something like this from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I come before you today. I, I acknowledge that I've blown it in so many ways. Lord, I, I, tell them how you feel. I feel angry. I feel bitter. I, the things that are happening to me are not fair. But Lord, you are Jehovah Jireh. You sent your son to die on the cross. You said curses everyone who dies on a tree. And Father, you died on a tree for us so that we don't have to feel the, the sting or the bitterness that the enemy is using in our lives. Father, today I submit my life to you. I turn it all over to you. I give you permission to change my heart, to change my life, to change my mind. I repent of feelings of just animosity and hatred. Father, help me to, rather than curse the darkness, help me to, to be a light. Give us strategies to, to walk in love and to, to be agents of peace and agents of healing to our community. Right now, I surrender all to you. In Jesus' name I pray. And we all said, Amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.